Good morning, Toronto City Church. It is a bright and sunny morning, and this morning I've got the privilege of preaching the Word of God to you. We are continuing our legacy series this morning, so get ready. Here we go. So, Father, this morning I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for your glory. Oh, God, it is in you that we live and we move and we have our being. So, Father, this morning we invite you to flood our hearts. We invite you to flood the atmospheres that we're in. God, we say we have need of you. We desire you. We long for you. And Father, we, we, we thank you that your word says if we draw near to you, that you draw near to us. So this morning, God, we draw near and we thank you for your presence in Jesus' name. So we're going to jump into this legacy series. I'm excited I get to preach this morning. Um, and I promise you that your heart will be changed and impacted. So what I want you to do is I want you to get a pen and paper because you're going to want to take notes this morning or get your iPhone, get your Android, whatever you need to take notes because you want to remember what the Holy Spirit etches into your heart. So here we go. First things first, leaving a legacy isn't a choice, but the kind you leave is up to you. Everybody's going to leave a legacy. It isn't a choice. You don't, you don't opt out from that. Everyone's going to leave a legacy, but the kind of legacy you leave is definitely up to you. The decisions you make, how you live your life, that's up to you. You can create something of significance that leaves an impact. And I'm going to, as, as we start this sermon series, or start this uh, sermon this morning, I want you to remember that. I want you to kind of keep that as a billboard as we journey through the scriptures today, that leaving a legacy is not a choice, but the kind you leave is up to you. Everybody's going to leave a story behind them that will be analyzed by those that you leave behind on planet Earth. Everybody's going to leave a story. You know, you may say, well, my life isn't significant. I don't know if I really met. No, you are going to leave a story that is going to be analyzed by the people you leave behind. And also, you're, everyone is going to leave something that heaven will acknowledge and heaven will also analyze. We talk about the, the Bible talks about that great cloud of witnesses. So I want to kind of give you a little bit of an understanding when we talk about legacy and what that looks like. This is from my vantage point. Legacy is about serving the next generation through how you live and what you model in present day reality. Okay, I'm going to say that again just in case you missed it. Legacy is about serving the next generation. You got to write that down. It's about serving the next generation through how you live and what you model in present day realities. So you may say, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to do something significant in, you know, 2024, and that's going to matter. You know, what I do in 2030, that's going to matter. But no, how you live out your life today will matter for the next generation. It will model something um, as, you, as you go about your day base, you know, your, the daily basis of your, you know, all the things that you do, you know, your cooking, cleaning, you know, how you love your people and your core relationships well, all of that will matter. Matter. So you can't put off till tomorrow what impact you want to leave on planet Earth. It matters today. So what does this translate to? Thank you for asking. What does this translate to? This translates to who you are supposed to be in the image of God on planet Earth. Who are you supposed to be? We're all made in the image of God, but God has uniquely fashioned you. There is no one like you. God has made you unique, and who you are supposed to be 
matters. And then how well do you journey with the Lord in becoming who you're supposed to be? It's one thing to know who you're supposed to be, you know, in the image of God, redeemed, saved, sanctified, you know, all that, being the billboard that you're called to be. But it's another thing how you journey with the Lord in becoming that. We're all a work in progress. We're all this masterpiece that's being painted every day, that God's refashioning us. He's, he's, he's making us to be more in his image. And that matters. And then that moves on to what others receive from you, what is seen from your life, what is caught, what is taught, and what is replicated. Okay, so let me just rephrase that. It is about understanding your identity in God, who you're supposed to be, you know, and and how you journey to become that person. And then what others receive from you, what is seen, what is caught, and what is replicated. That is legacy. And that is a choice. And what you leave, once again, is up to you. So we're going to talk about this because everything that we do, how we walk affects the next generation that will abide on planet Earth. And I believe that the Bible really clearly through various uh, scriptures kind of lays out this whole concept that in each generation of the righteous people and righteous families, we should be seeing an increase of righteous impact and influence. I'm going to say that again. Every subsequent generation should get better. We should see a, a, a surge of righteous impact and righteous influence. Um, and I believe God's designed that, that us that way in the families of God. And you know how you look in the book of the Bibles um, and you see the genealogies and you see, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is a generational God and he wants every subsequent generation to increase in its productivity in advancing the kingdom of God. I love what it says in Hebrews 12. Once again, most of us are familiar with this passage. I'm going to read to you out of the passage translation. It says this, as for us, Hebrews 12 verse 1, as for us, turn to somebody in your house, say, as for you, then turn to somebody else and say, as for you, we all have these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. We all fall into things easily you know, then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. So we are called to run a path that has already been marked out before us. You have been destined into something great and God has put your name on that gift. He has put his, his, his uh, enablement on your life, uh, the life of the believer to succeed in what he's called you to do. So my question for all of you, and my question even for myself, is what are you leaving up for the next generation? What are you passing on? I love what Hebrew says. It says, lay aside the wounds, lay aside the pains, all that so you can run. So what are you laying, you know, laying up for the next generation? Are you preparing to lay up and pass on to the next generation purpose? Or are you laying up, you know, not that you really are preparing for this and trying to make provision for this, but are you laying up a legacy of pain? Is it going to be one of purpose or is it going to be one of pain? It is your choice. And we're going to talk about that today and see how we, you know, kind of navigate that. So Psalms 145.4 says this, One generation shall command your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. That word command really is shabak, and it means it will loud, laud, laud, L-A-U-D. It will declare your mighty works to another generation. 
and your acts. That means we have a responsibility to pass on to Shabbat, to declare, to praise who he is from our generation into another generation. And that is not just because you have kids or you don't have kids. That is because you are existing on planet Earth. You, in the very existence of you on this Earth today, have something that you can commend because you're righteous to another generation. So you've got to keep that in mind. You're not just sucking here, air here on planet Earth doing whatever you want. God has called you to relay something. It's kind of like that relay race where you're passing a baton onto a person, a people, or a nation in a generation to come. And it's kind of interesting. We have this obsession right now in our society with, you know, ancestors. DNA. Everybody's trying to figure out where they're from, where they came from, who their granny was. You know, did I originate in, you know, uh, Zimbabwe? Am I from uh, Ireland? You know, everybody has this obsession with that because it's a part of who you are. And yes, it is a part of who you are. You know, what your fathers did, your forefathers, all of that makes up and contributes to who you are today. However, big however, or shall I say, but, Big butt, B-U-T, big butt. It doesn't have to dictate your future, okay? I want you to remember that because often our eyes are fixed on the past, but God is saying, hey, I'm an I can enable you right now to make a course correction in what has been handed down to you that, uh, that may not be my purposes and plans. I can course correct that. I can heal you up, sanctify you, enable you, strengthen you, gifts of the spirit, and launch you into something that leaves something uh, past your life of greatness. But we've got to be able to acknowledge that and see that. And we've got to steward our part. Um, I often, my husband and I, we love to, to read biographies of famous people, of people that have left an influence on planet Earth. You know why? Um, partly it's because we just are so fascinated by stories. But the biggest part of it is, is because it leaves us inspired. Every single time I read about someone who is like the underdog that, you know, uh, does great, amazing things on planet Earth. You know, everybody said that he was going to be a failure. Everybody said that she would amount to nothing. The reason why I love those stories is because they inspire me to be the best person God's created me to be. And to leave a storyline that once again will be analyzed by people and that hopefully will affect the human race and those that are on planet Earth. So we see people like, you know, in our modern day time we see people like Elon Musk, you know, you know, CEO of SpaceX and, you know, all the things he's done with Tesla and all that kind of stuff. But he had a crazy upbringing, that guy. Um, you know, and, and once again, he's a Forbes list. I, I don't know where he's on the billion dollar, you know, scale or whatever. But he had a hard upbringing. He had a Canadian mom. He had a South African dad who was very harsh and mean. He went through, you know, divorces in, in, in his latter life. You know, latter life, he's 49. But, you know, challenging life. But there wasn't this thing in him where it was like, well, because of my past, that means I must amount to nothing. No, he pressed and figured out, you know, what is it that I do well and do it? And I don't believe, I don't know if he's a believer or not. We should pray for him. But the reality is he was able to impact 
uh, technology on planet Earth. We look at people like Billy Graham. Uh, we look at people like Sophie Scholl, who in the Nazi regime just said, you know what, I'm not going to uh, bow to what's happening here and, and actually went to her death as a result of it. And then we look at what, you know, what um, crime scenes would call Jane Doe, the person that doesn't have a popular name or face. But all of these people have a life story, a storyline that will be analyzed by those that are left behind them. So what I want us to jump into right now is this whole idea that once again, we're made in the image of God and we're called to advance his kingdom on planet earth. We're called to leave a legacy. We're called to, to, to take a righteous stand for what is biblically right in our age, in our time. So how do we do this? We do this because we must understand that God has given us the power to create the power to create. What are we creating? Okay. What are we creating? Thanks once again for asking me, you know, because it's one thing to understand that we've been given the power, but to create what? Number one, we must understand that how I live my life, how you live your life creates a picture that tells the next generation what to value. How you live your life creates a picture. It creates a, a you know, a, an image that tells a generation to come what to value. So what you value, the generations after you will value. If you value things that are perverse, don't be surprised if the next generation values perversity. You know, if you value to live, you know, if you live a life that, that's centered around him, centered around the presence of God, don't be surprised if your children and those that are impacted by your life begin to build a life around the presence of God. Um, and as believers, we are, we, we are leaders by the mere fact that we're believers, right? Many people say, oh, well, I'm not really a leader. Or I don't really have, you know, that much to say or do. No, no, no. Because you're a believer, you've been launched into planet Earth. You know, you came to know Christ, which means that you have the ability to, in even the simplest way, lead somebody to Christ. Therefore, how you live your life can create a picture for those around you as to what they should value. An example of this is that let's say you, you know, you are a believer, your neighbors are not a believer. Let's say you're a single female. Um, and you know, your neighbor's like, you know, your homegirl, and she sees you every Sunday get up and be like, she's be like, let's go to the beach, let's go downtown, let's go to the street uh, fair, whatever. And you're like, no, I'm going to church. I'm going to church because I value um, the, the community that God has put around me. I get, so after a while, she's going to be like, oh, I know on Sundays, I can't call you to go hang with the girls because you're going to church. And because you value your relationship with God and you value uh, what church community brings to you. And so, so you, you know, sometimes we say, oh no, that, those things don't really matter. People don't really see that. No, people see that. And that creates a value system for those existing and those to come. So once again, how you live your life creates a picture that tells the next generation what to value. As believers, we must value the voice of God in the presence of Holy Spirit. And primarily, if you hear anything that I'm going to say today, we've got to value our relationship with God, which means we've got to invest time in our relationship with God. And those that are around us will pay attention to what fruit is born out of that value system. 
You know, do you value, so once again, value your relationship with God. Do you value proper stewardship of your finances, of your time, you know, um, of your family? Once again, because it all creates a picture that people see and inevitably model or you're passing on to another generation. Um, I love this in my family, my nuclear family when I was growing up. My mom and dad, they valued God. They valued the word of God. We were up uh, on the weekends doing family devotions. They took us to conventions where we sat for hours under the teaching of the word of God. They invested in us in going on missions trips, being at youth groups that were not even in our church at the moment. We ended up changing churches as a result because they valued God and they wanted the next generation, us, their children, to see God and know him personally. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 19 to 21 in the Passion, do not keep hoarding for yourself earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. <laughs> Material wealth eventually rusticates and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourself, for yourselves that cannot be stolen, never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. We need to esteem him. We need to pursue him. That is something that we can pass on that will have maximum impact in the next generation. Number two, once again, we've got the power to create. Number two, stewarding my heart well can create an atmosphere to which people can soar, rise, and succeed when they're connecting, connected to me. If we steward our heart well, then we can create an atmosphere in our generation and the generation to come, which people can soar, rise, and succeed when they're connected to you. What does this mean? Legacy is about living in such a way that the people around you can be profoundly changed by Christ in you, and they can grow and succeed because they are connected to your life. This means that we've got a garden We've got to be, become very good gardeners of our heart. Proverbs 4, 23 to 24 in the Passion says this, So above all, above everything, everything, all, everybody say all, guard the affections of your heart for they affect all that you are. Pay attention, the Bible says, to the welfare of your innermost being. From, from there flows the wellspring of life. Pay attention. You got to know what's going on in the garden of your own heart. Avoid dishonest speech and pretentious words. I wish, you know, a lot of us in our generation would do this. Be free from using perverse words no matter what. We are the gatekeepers of our heart. We have a responsibility to guard our heart. Why? Because it affects the people around us and it affects the generations to come. I'll say this. Healthy relationships grow between people who have embraced their individual responsibility to tend to the gardens of their heart. If you want healthy relationships, that's on you. You've got to tend to the garden of your heart. And getting whole is paramount. Wholeness is, I like to say this, wholeness is a gift to yourself. Pursuing wholeness, allowing, push, pushing all of who you are into the presence of God, into the hands of the Almighty and saying, God, search my heart and know me and show me if there's anything that is out of alignment. That is a gift to yourself to say, God, I want to be made whole. Or else the reality is this, and it's a sad reality, is that you end up passing on your weaknesses of your personality, your sin stuff, all of that becomes 
basically like rubbish that you leave for the next generation. That's a British term, rubbish. <laughs> that you leave the next generation to deal with. So you have generations that are like, I don't even know why I feel this way or what, you know, what's going on in my heart, you know, all this stuff. And there's a potential that it was a generation beforehand that refused to deal with the heart matters. And God is saying, I'm, I'm drilling hard on this. God is saying that we've got to become gardeners of our heart. He gives us the tools to examine what is going on because he cares about what, uh, once again, we are his image and we are the billboards and what we pass on to the next generation matters. We see this in the life of David. Oh my goodness, David's such an amazing character in the Bible. I love this guy's story. I don't have a lot of time to go through this, but we see this in the life of King David. You know, as a young person, King David understood the correlation between worshiping and seeking God in the secret place and winning battles. He understood it as a young kid. This is the lion in the bear. He, he knew how, what it was to walk with the Lord. And it, the interesting thing, God's answer in the earth regarding the challenge that Goliath brought, his answer was found in David. David was a man of war. He had a warrior anointing that was contagious. He turned, in fact, he had ability to multiply that warrior nature into what the Bible calls his mighty man. About 400 men he turned into warriors. He was a man of multiple anointing. This guy was talented. He walked with Jesus or with God in his, in his young age. You know, he composed about 73 of the 150 Psalms. This was David. But here's the interesting thing with David. He had some generational stuff that literally got the best of him in his family. He was great on the battlefield, did all these amazing things, you know, didn't want to touch the Lord's anointed, all of this. But his family home life was a mess. David had some unresolved issues, starting with the illegitimacy of his birth. Then we know the storyline with David. He committed sin with Bathsheba and then had, uh, so adultery happened. And then he had her husband killed at war. And then they bore a son that ended up dying. So grief consumed him. So David had all this internal stuff going on. You know, we don't read the book that way, that he had a whole bunch of stuff going on in his heart. And then his, 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 um, the effects of his decision began, we, the Bible says very clearly, began to affect his household, particularly Amon, Tamar, and Absalom, and then Samuel. And we know the storyline. I'm not going to get into it with Amon, who ended up um, like loving his sister, having sex with her, then hated her. And then um, Absalom, you know, David's other son, went and killed him, you know, at a banquet with all the, uh, the king's sons uh, years later. And David refused to deal with the issue with Tamar as a result of refusing to deal with it. Because by law, what was required was that he would stone his own son because of that sin, because his son slept with his sister. But David refused to deal with that. He wasn't, you know, whatever happened. Um, and then Absalom, all kinds of crazy stuff. He was banished from the city. He came back. David still didn't resolve it. Then Absalom takes the kingdom behind his father's back. I um, mean, it's interesting, I'll say this, is that David had manipulated the situation um, regarding uh, Bathsheba, you know, he had manipulated that circumstances to cover up his adultery, and then he was called up by Nathan. And then you see Amon, his son, manipulating David to get with his sister. So we see this manipulation coming down the family line. 
And then we see, um, so then we have all that stuff. And then Absalom sleeps with David's concubine. I mean, the story is messed up. David has mess going on in his household because he refuses to deal with the issues of his own heart. And then we see that skip into the generation again with Solomon, who had a love for women and a love for alcohol, and that was to his detriment. So the generational pattern there that was passed on as a result of not dealing with heart was idolatry and adultery. So he left a great legacy in some things, but in other things he did not. And God wants us to be holistic and to do well holistically. So how I deal with my heart sets up my sphere of influence to either feel empowered or disempowered because of my actions. Number three, and I'm going to pick it up, generosity. So once again, we've been given the power to create. My generosity can create and build structures that release people, that release influencers. Uh, we, have, we live in a society where everybody wants to be an influencer. I want to be the next YouTuber. I want to be the next, what, you know, I want to be the next whatever. But the Lord is looking for those that would put their hand to the plow to build a structure, to create structure with their capacity and their abilities to be able to launch people, influencers into the kingdom of God. That is the church. And God is calling more builders, which means that you've got to put aside your own mindset that it's all about me and I'm going to be the next pop star. I'm going to be the next writer. I'm going to be the next whatever. And come to the family of God, pick up your portion of building and, and build and show up to build the church. The Bible says that the church, that he will build his church. And generosity, which, which does translate to money and all that kind of stuff, but it starts with our heart, it moves to our time, and it affects how we steward our money. Because God wants to, God, he wants builders. He wants those that will come and say, yes, we will build the church. And why is this important? I was saying this in a, to a couple of people in a couple of different meetings in a couple of different contexts. Why is this important? Because the church funds the church. The church builds the church. We often say, oh, well, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will give money towards that. Somebody, no, 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 nobody else is coming. We're it. <laughs> we are it. The church builds the church. And God has called us in this season not to have a small-minded perspective on our role to fund the kingdom of God. He wants us to believe him for wealth. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 8, 18, that it is him. We shall remember that it is the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your, listen to the, to the generation legacy language, to your fathers as it is this day. So you've got to remember, nobody else is coming. You're it. If you are sucking air on planet Earth right now, it's because God wants to get wealth into your pockets so you can fund his kingdom advancement on planet Earth. That means souls. That means um, um, institutions that are affected by kingdom mentality. That means that you're involved in shaping culture because you're able to fund that and get in the game. So it's not just about what you want to do. It is about what God is saying and your place on in that project. So I live from a perspective, guys. This is my own perspective. I feel like I'm getting heated up here. I'm just like, I'm just like getting started. I feel like I'm almost out of time, but I'm just getting, I feel like I'm just getting started. I live from the perspective that I am here to fund all that is on my father's heart. And he promises that he'll provide for me. So my needs, I'm not thinking about what I'm going to eat tomorrow, what I'm going to drink tomorrow, what am I, no, 
I know he's going to provide for me, but I'm here to fund all that is on his heart. We need that mentality that he gives us the power to create, and the, power, the Bible says the power to get wealth so that we can advance, and that so he can, sorry, so that he can confirm his covenant and that we can advance the kingdom of God. Proverbs 24.3 says this, wise people are builders. It doesn't say wise influencers, lone rangers. No, it says wise people are builders. They build families, businesses, communities, and through intelligence and insight, their enterprises are established and endure. Psalm 37 verse 26 says this, instead I have found the godly ones to be the generous ones who give freely to others. Their children, listen, those that are generous, their children are blessed and become a blessing. Generational, legacy language here. That those that are generous, their children are going to be a blessing and they will be blessed. You got to do a further study on what that looks like. And I watched this with my parents, man. They gave to everybody. The government came after us because we had so many charitable, you know, giving. They just gave to everything, everybody and anything. And they did not lack not one thing because they were generous. Number four, and I'm almost done here. My achievements, my achievements in God can create culture shift. That's why we've got to be the best at what God's called us to do, that your achievements on planet Earth, you know, often we say, oh, no, you just got to love the Lord your God. No, you got to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind. And some people have been created with a mind to shift the advancements of technology, to create resources, to create um, solutions for illnesses. Like, we have got to play to our strengths in God. We've got to say, God, I'm going to show up every day and steward what you've given me because, why? My achievements in God can, can shift culture. So how does God want to use you to professionally impact an industry? Because that is in the process of legacy. We're going to, you know, once again, that has to do with your time. That has to do with building money. We're going to be taking up a, a legacy offering, all that kind of stuff. But there is something to say about what you do vocationally you, you're, you're like, that, that's why you've got to fight to know where God has planted you, right? Um, I don't have time to read thoroughly because I'm, I'm out of time here, but this was something that was modeled in my dad so strongly, oh my goodness, um, that even at his funeral, um, one of his, his best friend actually, who did the eulogy, stated this. He said this, Carl, this is my dad, had embarked on the journey in perinatology, a discipline which at the time was so new that most of us were not sure how to define it. I now know that this man whose life we celebrate today, this is at the funeral, my father's funeral, was one of those who nationally and internationally put the specialty on the map. I would never attempt to speak to the impact he has made on the field of obstetrics and gynecology in general, um, and perinatology in particular. As he has moved across the globe lecturing and presenting papers, as he has authored and published, it is hard to believe that one so was outstanding could have been so humble. Of him, it can be truly said he was primum inter Perez, which means first among equals. Now this is my dad, and I and I and once again I tend to boast on him and 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 I get all excited, you know, when I, when I talk about him because he lived a life that his achievements shifted culture. 
It shifted a study in the realm of perinatology and obstetrics and gynecology. Number five, and this is my last one, and I'm done. My obedience, once again, we're talking about the power to create. My obedience can create momentum in the kingdom. My obedience can create momentum in the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 22, and I'm like, I'm like sweating here. Like you guys are getting me cooking here. Proverbs 13, 22 says this. If you obey God, you will have something to leave to your grandchildren. If you obey God, legacy language. If you don't obey God, those who live right will get what you leave. Like who wants that? We want to obey him so that our kids We'll have something. Our grandchildren. Obedience is huge. It can cause momentum that is felt in a generation that you will never see. Obedience. All of us are here because somebody obeyed. Somebody had to obey God and witness to us and leave a godly legacy. Remember this. We are not living a life for ourselves. We are living our life to serve a king who has a kingdom. And that he is most glorified in our obedience. It says this in John 17, 4. I, this is Jesus, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And once again, this is legacy talk. So I just want to say this as I close. Once again, he's given us the power to create. How again? How again are we creating? How we live our life creates a picture that tells a generation what to value. Number two, how we steward our heart, whether we steward it well or not, uh, can, can it create an atmosphere where people can soar, rise, and succeed when they're connected to us. So we got to steward our heart. Number three, once again, our generosity can build. We are all builders and we will, God will launch influencers, but we're all builders and our generosity can create and build structures that release people. Number four, our achievements in God can shift culture. We're here to shift culture and our achievements in him can do so. And lastly, our obedience can create momentum in the kingdom of God. So Father, today I thank you for your strength, I thank you for your anointing, Father, that we come under today, Father, to leave legacy. Father, may we choose to leave a legacy that impacts generations. Father, may we choose to follow you in wholehearted surrender into that place of obedience, God. Father, I pray that, Lord, we would serve you with the best of our skills so that we can create momentum through our achievements, God. And Father, I thank you more than anything that I've said that, God, we would live a life that is centered around you. And Father, we thank you for all of this today. In the power of your name, amen. Amen. Have an awesome rest of your Sunday, everybody. As you go, uh, please just remember that we have that legacy offering that's coming up. You get an opportunity to be a builder. You get an opportunity to build and fund the purposes of God here in Toronto. Hey, everybody. Pastor Brendan here. Wasn't that an amazing message from Pastor Sharon? I always love the way that she brings the word, and she brought such great truth on legacy and what God's building. And I'm so excited just about how it fits into this whole month of legacy and this series on legacy that we're doing here at Toronto City Church. Before you go today, I just wanted to come to you with several practical opportunities or invitations. Number one, speaking of legacy. As you know, we're in a series right now, Legacy 2021, and we're focusing on what God is building here at Toronto City Church. Last night, we actually had a legacy night 
where we did a Zoom call where I shared more about vision, where we are, where God is taking us. And if you missed it, but you'd still like to be able to see the recordings, reach out to us and let us know because we want to share it with as many people as possible. This is now leading us to next Sunday, which is going to be our legacy offering. Now, obviously, we're not here physically, and you could really give any time you wanted to throughout the week, but next Sunday, we're going to take time to kind of officially pray into and to take communion over the legacy offering and just really commit it to the Lord. And so once again, we're encouraging you to do several things. Number one, we're encouraging you just to pray and ask God, God, what do you want me to do? What is my part? You know how we do it here at Toronto State Church. I'm not about pressure or fundraising techniques. We just want you to pray, and we want you to obey. And if we all do what God asks us to do, we're going to get where he called us to go. Now, on the practical side, as we've mentioned several times, but I want to keep just bringing it forward to you. Number one, the legacy offering is going to be going towards a Joseph fund. And so this is just going to be taking a certain portion of it, setting it aside just to help us make sure we can still navigate the next several months through the rest of 2021. Now, God has provided for us. We're full of faith, but we also want to have wisdom. And we don't know still what might be coming. We're hopeful. We're, we're optimistic about even being able to reopen our sports center, do some of the things that we've been able to do in the past. But we want to be wise because if we set it aside and we come through the season strong, it's just money for us to use for other things. So we want to have that. But secondly, we are going to be really investing in our sound and our lights here at Toronto City Church. Now, this is going to be important on two fronts. Number one, it's going to be important because when you come back to in person, we are going to have an upgraded sound and light experience that is just going to help the church family. Furthermore, we're having some, just to be really honest, we're having some very significant issues with our current system as it was quite old and it really had run its course. So it's going to improve our in-person experience, but also in getting this new system, it's going to allow us to just seamlessly live stream our experiences online so we continue our ministry online. Furthermore, it's allowing us to set up some other opportunities to create content that can influence people online and make an impact. So that is where your giving is going. Now, we're putting this all together kind of in documentation. We're going to send it out, and we're asking you either to give a one-time gift or to prayerfully consider making a monthly pledge that you give through the rest of 2021, just sewing into this project so we can do it to the best of our ability. If you have any questions about this, please just let us know. Contact us at the office. We'd love to talk about it, to explain in more detail. And of course, in that documentation that's been emailed to you, it will give you much more details as well. So that's the first thing. Secondly, I just wanted to invite you this week to be part of TCC We Pray. Now again, we've sent out emails about this, but we are taking this week to fast and to pray and to seek God. And I think it's very significant even leading into our legacy and coming to the end of our legacy series, coming up to our legacy offering. So Monday to Friday, we encourage you pick a day to fast and we encourage you. There's 6 a.m. prayer calls and 7.30 p.m. prayer calls. We're going to be gathering, praying. We're going to continue to lean in. Prayer is going to fuel what God is doing because we're believing God for a move of God. We need it. Our city needs it. Our nation needs it. We are believing God for that. So we're going to keep praying into it and also praying to this opportunity we have to sow. And so last but not least, before we go, I want to make sure to give an opportunity for people to come to know Jesus if you don't know Jesus. See, the Bible teaches us that God loves us with an everlasting love, but we've been separated from that love because of sin. Because of sin, we deserve judgment. I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about all of us. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, 
Sin equals death. But that's not where the verse finishes. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The bad news is because of sin, we deserve judgment. The good news is Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He died and he rose again. And he said, listen, if you put your faith and trust in me, I will give you this free gift of salvation. It's going to come through me. It's not going to come through your work or your effort. It's going to come through faith in me. But you can have this free gift of salvation. All you have to do is be willing to receive it. And so if there's anyone watching today and you need to give your life to Jesus or you need to give your life back to Jesus, right now is your time. And if that's you, I want you to pray this with me right now. Say, Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you came for me. Thank you that you died. Thank you that you rose again. Today I turn my back on sin and I commit my life to you. Fill me. Forgive me. Free me. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says, all who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. I know it seems simple, but that's just set up. He's called to me, and I will answer you. And so if you prayed that from your heart, God has answered your prayer, and you are now right with him. Now, that's not the end. That's just the beginning. There's a whole journey of faith God's called you to walk on with him. We want to help you with that. If you could reach out and let us know that you prayed this prayer, we just would love to have someone who can talk with you, give you a Bible, make sure we back you up and support you. So please reach out to us and let us know.